Welcome to ATRA, Voices from the Field. This sustainable agriculture podcast is presented by the National Center for Appropriate Technology with support from USDA Rural Business Cooperative. Hi, and welcome to this episode of ATRA, Voices from the Field. Today, we're talking to NCAT horticulture specialist Guy Ames about an interesting question about jackrabbits that he got on the ATRA website's Ask an Egg Expert um, email, I guess they are these days. So why don't you tell us about that, Guy? Okay. Well, the call was from California, and I'm in Arkansas. And I'm a nurseryman, too, in addition to being a horticulturist with uh, NCAT. And um, we have a different species of rabbit here. So when you, when you start to look at a, a problem like that, especially with vertebrates, uh, you need to find out exactly what species you're dealing with because they may have different behavioral traits. And in, this is indeed the case with the western jackrabbit. So the first thing I did was, was refer the, the caller to the University of California's IPM, uh, Integrated Pest Management Center, and they are an excellent resource for uh, pest control of all sorts. Um, and they did indeed have a, a really good bulletin on jackrabbits, so that was a great start. And uh, some of the really key things that the caller needed to know about jackrabbits was that they... Um, well, let's compare them to the eastern cottontail, which is what I have to deal with in my nursery and orchard. The, the western jackrabbit, its main defense method is running, right? And it will hide behind, you know, sagebrush or something, but there's not much to hide. And what this means is that, uh, uh, again, compared to the eastern cottontail, whose main defense method is hiding, the right. western jackrabbit won't enter a trap. So if you're trying to live trap oh. it, it's very, very reluctant. Even if you put uh, bait in there, it just doesn't want to enter that trap. And that's, you know, eons of evolution that tells it that close quarters like that, close quarters, is not a good idea. <laughs> it's going to trap it, and it needs to be able to right. run. So you're, you're minus a, a key weapon that you'd use out here. But that just means you have to change your, your uh, techniques, your approach. So this is the really key thing about all these vertebrates. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and vertebrates have become some of my biggest pests. You know, let's compare them to pests, uh, insect pests and diseases. Vertebrates learn, and this is really key. It can be used to our advantage. And uh, if we're not aware of this trait, the important trait, learning, then it can be used to our disadvantage. So, right, yeah. So uh, the jackrabbits, you know, the the key first thing is going to be fencing. You know, just try to get that fence as as tight as you can. You may have to bury that bottom a couple inches. They don't really burrow per se, but they will squeeze, you know, to get through something. Although they don't like it, but they'll do it. So fencing would be the first thing. Uh, Now, this is a possibility. It's a little bit harder with jackrabbits than it is with the eastern cottontails, but then electric. So, and here's the whole thing about learning. A whole lot of the things that we try to, to use uh, to deter vertebrates, and let's, let's go a little farther and define vertebrates. I'm talking about uh, rabbits, uh, mice, uh, deer, boy, especially deer back here, uh, birds even. Uh, th- they learn, like I said, and uh, so that learning we can use against them, and electric is fantastic. 
So again, I need to compare it to non-electric or compare it to the something other than electric. Um, let's say you've got a fence, and they know it's not electrified. They know that they can just push up against it and open a little hole here or squeeze underneath. Then they've learned that that's a trait that they can use to get inside where they find better food source. On the other hand, uh, if it's electrified, then you've taught them a lesson. <laughs> Every time they come up to that fence and they get a jolt, you know, it's only going to take once or twice, usually once, twice at the most, and they just don't come back. So let's compare this to some of the other methods that people use. So uh, if you're looking in magazines and stuff, you'll, you'll see, let's just stick with rabbits for a while, uh, scent repellents. Yes, they work for a while. Uh, so, again, remember, these vertebrates are learning. So if you put out, boy, there's all kinds of scent repellents you've probably read about. You know, put out a, a mountain lion urine. How you collect this, I'm not sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, zoo do, you know, you're supposed to be able to put down the, mm -hmm. the fecal matter from uh, uh, zoo, predatory animals from the zoo, tiger, tigers and lions and such, and this is supposed to work. Hair clippings, you'll see that. Soap. Uh, men's cologne, you'll see all kinds of things. And yes, they might work for a little while, but these vertebrates learn. And so they learn if there's right. no bite to uh, follow up the bark, you know, if the, if the scent is not followed by something dangerous, if it smells like people, but there's no people there, they quickly learn that. And they become inured to that scent and, uh, and ignore it. Now, there's one scent that seems to work a little better than others, and, uh, and that's the, almost any of the products you can buy, or you can make some yourself. You can look up a recipe online that includes putrescent egg solids, more commonly rotten egg smell. So if really? you get that rotten <laughs> egg smell, go, yeah, yeah, isn't that lovely? That'll keep me away, <laughs> too. To put yeah. On. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, mixing up some of that stuff is a, is a pain. But some of the products are better. Some of the products products also contain, you know, mint uh, scent, so it makes it a little bit better for us to put it on, and that seems to work a little better. Uh, if you can find uh, a product or make a product that contains a putrescent egg solid, and then rotate next time you spray, put something else on, that might be even a little more effective. But I wouldn't over rely on any of these uh, scent uh, repellents because there's always this chance that they're going to become used to it and just ignore it. That's also the, tr the same for some of these other, uh, for birds. We'll just skip a little bit from uh, rabbits to some other vertebrates because they're so similar because of this learning ability. So one of the things they suggest for birds is um, scare tape, flash tape. There's different names for it, but basically it's an aluminized tape that sparkles in the sun. It blows in the breeze, and it sparkles. And again, it's the same thing. When you first put those things out, I can see the crows and some of the songbirds, you know, when the wind blows and they sparkle in the wind, I can see them flying off. But after a while, it just stops working, and they, they come back. Um, there's other scare techniques like with uh, boom cannons that go off on a, on a uh, timer. And uh, sometimes they're made to be irregular. You can change the pattern up. But whatever the case, I've seen uh, crows and blackbirds just after a while, after they get used to the boom cannons, they'll sit right on the cannons. 
Yeah, <laughs> they'll perch right on them or right nearby. Once they get used to it, once they learn that it's not really a threat, then it's no longer effective. And, and your neighbors are not going to like that either. Um, I've even seen, you know, there's people that will use um, motion detectors. Put a motion detector out there uh, in your field and uh, with a bright light. And sure enough, you use this at first and you think, ah, this is it, man. I've got this deer under control. But after a while, I've seen the deer in my own plantings, the, the, they'll trigger the motion detector, and the light comes on, and the deer kind of looks up and blinks and just goes right on feeding. So if you can back up any of these things, any of these uh, empty threats, um, if you can back it up to something that's not empty, and electricity is the first thing I come back to, then you're going to be a, a lot more successful. Um, I wonder if we need to come back to rabbits here. The eastern cottontail, that's my problem, you can trap it. You know, its main defense mechanism, I mean, it runs like heck, you know, but, but uh, its main thing is hiding. It'll run and then hide. So it has no aversion to going inside a live trap, and you can bait it with, you know, peanut butter or there's any number of things that'll attract the eastern jackrabbit. So, I mean, an eastern uh, cottontail. So that'll work for them. But... Uh, not the, the jackrabbit, it just won't. It'll just keep running. One other thing we do with electric, uh, with deer, is we can bait it. So apples are one of my crops, and deer really love apples. And so I will actually, you can buy apple scent to kind of paint on the electric wires, or <clears throat> I usually have leftover apples. You can actually just hang bits of apple on the fence. If you get them, of course, they have real thick hairs. Deer have very thick hair. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're somewhat insulated against the the, uh, the electric. Well, that's a good point too. You need to have a good charger. You need to be able to really push some amps through there to give them a good shock. So right, uh, make it serious. If you can get them, <laughs> yeah, make it serious. And if you can induce them to put their tongue or nose on there, ah, no hair, right? So you can really right. give them a good punch. I had a group of uh, a little herd of deer uh, at an isolated orchard that I managed for a while, <clears throat> and I baited it with apples. They were so well-trained, those deer, <laughs> that I could throw apples outside. I had a big pile of them outside the orchard area, and the deer wouldn't touch those. They, being vertebrates, had learned to associate that electric shock with the apples in this case. Apples meant pain. They left them alone. It was fantastic. <laughs> and regardless, um, regardless of where the apples were at, then. Well, yeah, it didn't really yeah. matter. Right, right. Once, uh, once they'd been trained that apples meant pain, and this is why I love electric so much. And there's other things you could do, I suppose. I've heard of a guy that um, he didn't have. It was just going to be too hard for him to maintain electric. So he made a little rubber band thing with a, with a stick like a, uh, a tongue depressor. And, and then he would bait that in the, near his trees. The deer would come up, and uh, he had this thing on a little trigger trap, and uh, the deer would trigger that, and it just blap, 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 blap. <laughs> and it would just kind of pop them on the nose. But again, you know, you have to back it up with something, or they just learn right. to ignore you. And, uh, of course, if, you know, if you're in a, a place where you can 
uh, shoot at them and it's season or you can get a nuisance permit, then that's a pretty good deterrent too. But in many cases, you know, we're close to, to uh, 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 residences now. Uh, so many farms are and that's not an option or, you know, there's other reasons why it's not a good option. Uh, but that's the same kind of thing. But you have to be there to shoot that. <laughs> right. Exactly. And electric, electric, you don't have to be there. So that's, that's really nice. You can find other episodes of ATRA, Voices from the Field, along with ATRA's other sustainable agriculture resources at www.atra.ncat.org. That's www.attra.ncat.org.